0: and welcome to another edition of James Short Podcast, Leading and Growing Your Real Estate Business. James Short here and wow, what a guest we have on this morning. You know the challenges that we face in relations to building our systems and our processes? Well, let's hear more. Today's guest is Ian Dooley. Ian Dooley from The Procedure People. These guys take what's in your head and they create systems and processes around it and where you can actually outsource and get other people to do it. How good is that? Ian's been doing this for numerous years and really been helping businesses, uh, a lot of my clients as well, do this process so they can actually, actually grow their business without actually growing more people, but actually really capitalizing on the capacity levels with the current team and really going from strength to strength. So let's hear more about the interview that we just recently conducted with Ian Dooley from The Procedure People. Very excited with the special guest that we have on this morning. Um, when When a business has experienced capacity issues, it's usually to do with one of the following. It's usually either culture, consistency, and collaboration. So this special guest that we have on today, I personally have seen the results, but uh, don't take it from me personally. Even the CEO from New South Wales leaders, Dan Listick, has uh, said comfort and managing his workflow, increasing capacity levels through the roof, and also the CEO of Fishburners, uh, Mario Herbs, said he's actually... These guys actually help systemize their whole business and their whole process, uh, and it's just hugely, and it's getting some uh, huge results, and with no unnecessary expenses paid. So uh, really excited to have these guys on the call this morning. So who is it? Drum roll! It's Ian Dooley from the Procedure People. They're all about making small businesses easy to run. Their philosophy is that any small business can increase their capacity without hiring additional full time staff. He's also, Ian's the also the author of the Stressed Out Business Owners Policies and Procedures Toolkit, uh, which you can get that from his LinkedIn. And also, he's written numerous articles on systemization and productization of service businesses, uh, which you can find at the P- Procedure People's blog. So, uh, the procedure, who are the procedure people? So the procedure people actually help business owners with their capacity issues. By the use of systems and processes and technology and then outsourcing, there you can actually have a really increase your capacity levels, do more higher output with your teams, with your business, and what that means is actually really you can have uh, increase in productivity, increase in cash flow and increase in time. So let's get Ian on the line. Good hey, here you go. Good, how are you? I'm well. Excellent. Really excited. Thank you for your time this morning. Super excited to hear and pick your brains a little bit. You guys are, are doing some wonderful stuff. I've got a couple of clients working with you guys at the moment. and I'll tell you what, they are flying. So I just really want to say thank you and really appreciate your time this morning.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Awesome. So like, just give the tribe a little bit of a background. In, in a couple of minutes, give us a bit, a bit of bra- a brief background on from how you come together with, with the procedure people.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I'm a programmer, um, primarily web-based software. I trained as an engineer uh, in in mechatronics uh, years and years ago. Um, The software market has become very competitive and it was increasingly difficult to charge enough money to be profitable paying local wages uh, when the market was really expecting overseas wage rates. Um, so the, the rise of outsourcing really affected a lot of uh, web development companies. Um, so I was sort of forced to learn how to outsource and how to, do, how to manage a team in a geographically disparate location to collaborate without having to speak to each other, without having to stay awake until 3am on Skype and all of those things that people usually have to do when they hire people uh, overseas to write their software for them. And that was a that was a trial by fire that um, wound up with a lot of uh, IP around documentation and systemization and collaboration that could be generally applicable to a range of different businesses so in um, May of 2014 when I was trying to figure out how to get in touch with more small businesses profitable small businesses I wanted to work with uh, already profitable businesses that were having capacity problems that could benefit from automation and um, I found uh, just through keyword research that people are looking for policies and procedures to help, and I thought, okay, well, that's something I'm good at. Why don't I work out a uh, an information product around that? Um, and uh, the information product felt pretty flat, but the it was it was interest. There was interest in it, but people were too busy to learn. So the the year after that, I turned it into a consulting program, and then this year I've added in um some some staff as well so we actually execute processes for some people so um it, but it's that that's the progression it's all about software but really um trying to get as far as we can without running any software and then looking at automation once we have things really well
0: documented wow fantastic so so if you look at some of the clients that you're currently working with what type of clients are you you said profitable small business but let's get a little bit specific what, are, what type of businesses are you working with at the moment
1: So, at the moment, we're working with businesses who range in size from one person to 25 people. Um, In a diverse range of industries, almost all service industries, uh, some professional services, niche service kind of stuff, the the, the industries are so diverse Mm. that it's actually easier for me to tell you who I don't work with. Um, (laughs) And it's not this, I should say, I should preface this by saying it's not by choice. We do a lot of marketing um, through cold emails. We paint with a pretty broad brush in terms of who we approach and I have never had responses from the following industries, manufacturing, retail, hospitality or franchise businesses. Those are the businesses that we haven't historically worked with, not through personal choice, but just they happen to not react to the marketing that we send out for some reason. Um, I should say also that uh, real estate has has traditionally been a, a business that have not reacted to our marketing I think because most of them are franchises. But what we have found is that this sort of project marketing or commercial real estate, property development, that kind of thing, they are not so franchised as the uh, residential um, and commercial real estate. Uh, So we've had a a pretty good response from those people.
0: Yeah. And I think so true, particularly when we look at the real estate, Um, even though the franchise groups may have or may not have their own systems and policies and procedures, what I've noticed over the time is the individual franchisee wants to personalise it just that extra bit to, to increase their capacity levels because I've noticed that there's the franchisor has a, uh, usually quite large and broad policies and procedures, but these franchisees wanted to hound, really hone in on specific areas. So, yeah, that's, that's, so what I'm hearing is a really great range of service-based businesses.
1: Yeah, and what you're talking about there is... is is. Um is a good instinct. People, franchises typically have a a big manual in a ring binder. Um, You know, it's a sort of day one, sit someone down and give them a manual, uh, read this, remember it all and then do your job. And um, we know for a fact that that doesn't work and everything that we have developed are strategies around avoiding that sort of, uh, here's here's a whole chunk of stuff that you need to read and remember. um, Because what that really results in is that people don't really adhere to those processes over time and you get a further and further deviation away
0: from the standard way of doing things. Totally. And so what are you noticing with, with some of these clients before they come to you? What are some of their biggest problems and frustrations they have?
1: Okay. So as you touched on at the beginning of the, of the talk, it's culture, consistency and collaboration are what we've identified as the three capacity problems or or the, or the way that capacity problems uh, manifest themselves, I should say. So, what, what what does that mean, really? Like culture, people think of culture as being how people interact when they're not working. Um, I happen to think it's the opposite, that the culture of how people interact when they are working is the most important thing. Um, and that when you have a poor culture, what you notice is frustration and, and blame shifting and, and click Click, clicks forming if it's a bigger business, but also in a single person business you can have a culture problem. Because if you've ever found it hard to hire someone and transfer your knowledge across to them, get them involved and collaborate with them, what you're experiencing really is a culture problem. And so that, that to me is, is gonna be the way that a capacity problem manifests. And you can't solve that by hiring more people. Yep. Um, the other one is consistency. So consistency could be between people, but it can also be, be between jobs. Why did this one job go well? And then this other job didn't go so well. And do we have the visibility and the accountability to be able to tell the difference? Where did it go wrong? Do Can we do the uh, Toyota lean manufacturing five wires to look through all of, the, all of the bits and bobs and do a bit of a forensic analysis of why one thing tended to go well, the other one didn't? And also, if you find yourself relying on superstars, so if if you've, I, I, I'm sure that you and, and many others listening have read the emir three visited. Yep. I I personally read it about 15 years too late. I would, um, I read it and I almost broke down in tears reading the first part of it because I was like, <laughs> yeah, oh it's rough. <laughs> "What have I done with my life?" That's all right. Um, so, um, the but the, that sort of notion of delegation through abdication, you, you sort of find that you get get lucky you hire someone who just is an absolute superstar and you can't move beyond them. And um, why is that? You know, how do you get, how do you, how can you get a consistent result with the labor that is available to you in ready supply and in the market? That's really what's going to make your business scalable. Yeah. Um, if you're, if your whole growth strategy is hiring the best people, uh, you're going to find it very challenging to grow. Yep. Um, so you need to figure out how to, how to cope with or, or deal with, the uh, resources that you have available to you that you can afford. Um, uh, so that's a big part of consistency. So then uh, and then we have collaboration. So collaboration is all about not having meetings for me, which is funny because most people conflate collaboration with communication. And what I aim for is collaboration with the minimum of communication, especially avoiding as much as possible collaborative decision-making. I want to have, a sh- I think that the best method of collaboration is autonomy. Um, which sounds like an oxymoron but when people are able to deal with their part of the problem autonomously and with um, confidence that they're going to make a decision and and that they won't be lambasted if they make a mistake and that they're going to prepare their work and move it on to the next person and that that next person is going to have all the information they need to do their part of the job autonomously, that to me is the best method of collaboration. Now, I was forced into that because I was working with people in in a lot of different time zones um, but I happen to think that even if you are in an office environment that's a better way to collaborate and that really when you have this sort of interu- interruption or um, meeting based collaboration that that's that's a signal of a broken process and the people who work together in an office just are, are able to to fall back on that too easily yeah. Um, so, so I think that being forced into a remote work environment, um, had, had, that effect on me. And also it's, it's just such a great benefit if you can offer a, re- a, re- a remote workplace to your staff, they will accept lower pay most of the time and they will uh, stick with you for a long time.
0: Yeah. Cool. So, so when, when, when they, these clients, you know, start working with you, when they get it right, what, what happens? What do you notice? What's, what's the difference?
1: So the um, the big difference is that that processes becomes stop being something that you know at best is a running joke and at worst is completely ignored um, or defunct and start being something used, improved, and, inter- and interconnected. So it's something that people work with every day, and it, and it becomes a bit of a bit of a part of the culture. It's like you. Um, you have this common grammar about how you work together and you expect that people will behave in a particular way. And rather than, Oh yeah, the manual,
0: that's not,
1: that's not really how we do it. Um, And so when people get enthusiastic about that sort of, when teams get enthusiastic about that sort of uh, method of collaboration, that's when I know things are really working well. And it's sort of this light bulb moment um, I can see go off when, um, People really realise the uh, the opportunity uh, in front of them.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And when when they when you see those light bulb moments, what what does that mean for the business? What happens to the business then when when they start to get all this stuff? The light bulbs goes off. Implementation happens. What what happens within the business?
1: So the the big differences are that you see a reduction in key personnel risk. Um, the either from the owner or from the um uh, you know key people within the uh, within the workplace and then also uh, it allows better scale so scale through being able to um hire more people more easily uh, but also scale from being able to free the owner up uh to either relax and have more time for themselves or or focus on growth Um, so the, the upshot of all that is that the business becomes a more sellable asset, but I haven't been operating long enough to prove that. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> um, but, can, you, can you share a bit of a case study with us?
1: Yeah. So um, the longest running uh, case study, is uh, it, it takes a while to have a demonstrable effect um, on a business. Uh, people have competing... Schedules and and what and, and it, it takes a while for things to come together So the people we're, we're working with that we've started working with this year um, Or in, in a given year will rarely be the success story It's usually the people we started working with last year that we can start to see the results in so it's a very very sort of very much Sort of like a an investment in the business an investment in the, in the um, in how things are gonna happen. So um, the, the best one that I have, the best example, the most concrete example I have is an event management company where they were already pretty well systemized. Um, and we kind of thought, uh, how can we get more and more out of the the business owner's time to reduce the number of sales meetings that they do? And um, through, an, through analyzing their sales processes, we kind of came to the point where we realized that what he had to do was was get uh, himself involved in just the critical selling conversation. So we looked at all of the different touch points that he had and said, okay, um, and we, we analyzed this with a, with the help of a tool called the Sandler Sales Institute Selling System. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yep. The Sandler Selling System helps me um, analyze or, or uh, engineer those sales processes. And um, he was able to off sh- uh, uh, offload a huge chunk of those meetings into a group workshop, and get people who were in his junior people in his network to run that workshop for him according to a pretty rigid process, and then also you know the follow up process. How, is, how does the initial sales call go, and uh, what are the steps that he has to go through? So that was that was uh, huge. I mean, it right. just it, it it basically meant that he instead of having to spend three or four hours. Per person it it got his time down to about 15 or 20 minutes so that's the that's the biggest increase I've seen so far it was pretty
0: good yeah that's fantastic well done well done Uh, we uh, we love a a good framework in the tribe Uh, what type of frameworks do you use to help your clients that you can share with the tribe today
1: yeah so uh, the um, info product that you mentioned at the start the procedure the stressed out business owners policies and procedures toolkit that is the, um, the genesis of this whole product that we deliver. Um, and that is actually a framework for documenting any business. So I'll, I thought I'd just run through that. Great. Um, the first thing we do is we look at triggers. So triggers are the reason that anyone will ever know to follow a procedure at a particular time. Um, and because it's, so, it's pretty easy to write a procedure. I'm sure you and everyone who's listening to this has tried at some point and they might have even gotten a fair way uh, doing it in an individual uh, sort of a a project. They sat down for a couple of weeks, wrote a whole bunch of stuff out. Maybe those were even followed for a little while. But they tend to degenerate pretty quickly unless you have formal structures which trigger the processes. Um, And it's about the, the question is why will anyone ever follow this? That's the question you need to answer. So if you start with that question in your mind, you can, you can analyze like the technology behind it, the processes behind it, you know, does someone have to come in and tell them, is this something where, where a customer's gonna initiate the thing? So we, we see three, three types of triggers, external, internal, and recurring. An external trigger is customer walks into the shop, someone sends an email or someone picks up the phone. An internal trigger is I have, I have been running some process and now it's time for me to hand off to someone else. And then a recurring trigger is every X period of time do the following thing. And so our, when we're analyzing technology, when we're, when we're developing workflows with technology, what we're doing is saying, um, how can we use technology to provide these triggers? Uh, so as a, as a strategic framework, for analyzing how you use technology. Try to think about how you can use technology to trigger procedures from being run, uh, to to be run. The second part of the framework is that we, we want two entry points. One entry point is for the team member. And the team member's page should be a page where hypothetically they could get amnesia, forget everything they've ever learned and turn up the next day at work and still do their job. So the, the, the team member page should link through to roles, individual induction pages for, for each role that they're hired for, and tell them everything they need to know to, to know how to do their job. It's, it's not about telling them everything they need to know to do their job, but to know how to do their job. Because we want to, so on that page we want to say okay, we use this project management tool, we use this CRM. Every day go to your dashboard in this tool, and it's going to tell you the tasks to work on, and each task has a link to a process in it. That's all you need to know. You don't need to know how to do each of those things, it's all written down. Hmm. So that the induction material for each role, that entry point should be the minimum amount of information that someone needs to know in order to find out how to do their job. Reducing the amount of read and remember. The second entry point is the entry point for the business owner. So the business owner has two questions. What do I sell and who does the work? So in order to split things up that way, we, we think about things in terms of products and roles even if you are a service business you should be thinking about what you sell in terms of products because and everyone's like oh service businesses can't scale or my business is so unique i couldn't possibly do that it's it's not it's not the case that your business that some businesses can't be systemized or productized it's the case that if your business can't be systemized and productized you need to change the business mm. it's not the case that your business is this is thing that Is this unique beast that can't be... It's just that if you're going to succeed and really turn this into a business that grows and is an asset and you can sell it and it's not just you, you have to be able to productize it by definition. If you can't do that, it's just a job. So thinking about products, what is a product? A product is a collection of lead generation, sales, client setup and fulfilment procedures. In some cases... Technology will assist those processes to varying degrees. In some cases, there's no technology involved. In other cases, there's only technology involved. But you can express even a pure software product, like a software as a service tool or a, a, a computer program or an app, you can express it in the same ways. How do we find customers? How do we convert them, in, how do we find leads? How do we convert them into customers? How do we onboard them? And then how do we fulfill those, those deals so that the customer's happy? And you have to go off and tell everyone. So that's what think about think about what you do in terms of products. Then the other one is roles. Roles are not job descriptions. Roles are a group of uh, pages which, in in your documentation, tell you how to find someone to do that thing, and an induction page that you can link to from their team member page. A, an individual role can be fulfilled by more than one person and more than one person can fulfill the same role and that's uh, that's actually kind of similar to the way that this thing called holocracy works i'm not a fan of holocracy in its purest form, but uh, the way that they do roles um, I quite like um, I, I didn't I, I didn't get it from them, but I just happened to have found out about that uh, later on and, and uh, um, I liked the way they do it but the The goal here is to is to is to do two things. Reduce the amount that anyone on your team has to read and remember and, yep. and get um, processes in front of them at the point of action and create a sellable asset for your business. Something that you can you could conceivably hand to a new person who bought it and say, hey, here it is. This is all you have to do. Start on this page and just start reading. That's, that's going to increase the value, the multiple or whatever you want to call it when you sell.
0: Excellent. Wow. Fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. And we can, uh, we can get that on your, your LinkedIn page, correct? That- that uh downloadable
1: yeah that's right you can go there on the linkedin page and download it. it's 97 bucks Uh, you know more power too if you can make it work i've never had anyone i've I've had no success stories with that one so um (laughs) it was it was too much for people to take in on top of their busy schedules so in the end i just developed it as a delivering the same essentially the same content yep um, but developed it as a
0: consulting program yeah nice nice so how can the uh the tribe, how can the listeners get in contact with you to find out more?
1: Uh they can always give me a call. It's 0282794066 um and book in a phone call or a phone call with me, or if I happen to be, be available, we can catch up then and there. Um otherwise email ian.doy, it's spelled I A I N, so indigo alpha indigo november dot AU. Uh the website is the procedurepeople.com. we also got workingsoftware.com.au. Both of those are horribly out of date. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in what we do and how we do it over the past couple of years. and I've, Because almost all of my selling is done over Skype and with cold email. Uh, basically, I put up a video and that's that people watch the video and that's, they don't bother reading the rest of the site. So um, I, I, I <laughs> it's been on my list to do for a long time to update that, but um, anyway, you can get a gist of, of what's going on from the website But basically send me an email and we can catch up and, and have a chat.
0: Awesome. Ian, really appreciate your time today, uh, your insights, your experience, your knowledge, and uh, looking forward to speaking to you soon. Once again, thank you and have a wonderful day.
1: Thanks, James. See you later.